All right, welcome everybody. We got episode 26, the Patrick Eliash episode on tap for today. Me, James, and Chris is here as always. What is going on? I believe you guys will be listening to this on November 20th, which is a Friday. So it seems like we're kind of doing like a weekly Friday release type deal to bring you into the weekend. So we'll uh, see if we keep on the schedule or not. Um, it's kind of like a week to week thing, you know? So like keeping you guys on your toes. So, what we're doing this episode, we got current news, not much going on, still a couple things to talk about. We're going to talk about the release of the new reverse retro jerseys they uh, Adidas, right? Adidas released. Um, we'll talk about our favorite, least favorite, all that fun stuff. Top 10 centers in the Metro, top 10 wingers in the Metro, kind of finish that series out. And then we're going to talk about the athletic fan survey, which we foreshadowed last episode. That we we're going to talk about basically on the athletic Corey Masaic released like a fan survey to see devil's opinions on different uh, devil's fans opinions on different stuff so we'll just talk a little bit about that get a little discussion going there and then we'll close it around out so another should be a decently long episode we'll see we'll see how it goes yeah anyway let's get started current news wise there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about the first thing is Oh, Chris, did you see that LIU Brooklyn, which is a college, it plays in the NEC in basketball. I don't know what they are for hockey, but they got a new hockey team and they released their jerseys. Did you see them? I didn't see them. I, I played they LIU in college, but um, I, yeah, I didn't see that. It was interesting when we played them. We, like, they played the American anthem and then also I think it was like the Swedish anthem before the game because I think their goaltender was like Why? Swedish or something. So, yeah. It's so, been a while yeah, since they, I heard LIU. <laughs> yeah, they released their jerseys. I think they're a full-time D1 program now. Their jerseys are pretty sweet. So they're like a oh, nice. okay. powder blue and yellow type deal. They're uh, interesting. I think they're the LIU Dolphins, if I'm correct. Uh, I could be wrong there, but I don't know. All I know is they're in the NAC for basketball. I've seen them play basketball a couple times. Mm-hmm. They're Long Island Brooklyn, right? Is that what that is? Um, I think they have multiple campuses. I, I'm not sure where exactly their main one is. I know we no. had to go pretty far out onto Long Island oh, to play the them. So. Sharks, I believe. That's my bad. They're the Sharks. Yeah, I, was gonna the say, I don't think they're the Dolphins. <laughs> um, Jacksonville Dolphins. I think that's the team. Anyway, enough random mascot talk about lower level D1 schools. Anyway, <laughs> so now... What else do I want to talk about? I wanted to talk about divisions. So the NHL, Greg Wyshynski. I think I actually might have said that. Okay. ESPN reporter. NHL reporter from ESPN. I know that's rare nowadays. But he released potential divisions from what he's hearing on ESPN Plus for the 2020-2021 season. So there would be a Canadian division of the Canadian teams, Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers, Montreal Canadiens, Senators, Maple Leafs, Vancouver Canucks, and Winnipeg Jets. So that's three, six, seven teams there. The East division would be the Boston Bruins, Buffalo Sabres, Carolina Hurricanes, the Devils, Islanders, Rangers, Flyers, Caps. So that's eight. The Central would be Blackhawks, Blue Jackets, Wings, Panthers, Preds, Penguins, Blues, Lightning. So that's another eight. And the West would be Ducks, Yotes, Avs, Stars, Kings, Wild, Sharks, and Kings. So that's another eight right there. So that would be projected divisions if they go this way. 
Okay, I'm assuming what they'll do, and me and Chris were talking about this earlier, is yeah. if you guys watched the MLB this year, they had the NL East only play intra-division games, and then the NL East would also play the AL East. So it was basically done. It wasn't like bubbles like the regions. NHL and NBA did. Basically, they limited travel by having you travel to places close to you. And I also heard that they were going to play in like three-game series type thing. I don't know if that's different if they do this division idea i don't know but i think their whole idea is limited travel because there's no way they would get the nhlpa to agree to a full-on bubble and that's probably not too reasonable that'd be a long time so yeah and we talked about it a couple episodes ago i don't i think it was the one episode you weren't able to make it james but at the time when the nhl and nhlpa were first like discussing how they were going to move forward with next season um the nhlpa said that there's no way we're doing a bubble you know we, we did it for the playoffs but we can't do that for a whole season you know yeah, guys want to see their families and stuff mm-hmm. so one of the things that they were floating around and, and kicking around this idea is they're going to have four bubbles for the different divisions and everything but it's not as tight of a lockdown as like the playoff bubbles were so basically they would have your divisions play out of those bubbles and you would have certain teams play and then i think uh like say one team would play like two or three weeks in a row and then they'd get like a week or two off to leave and go home and like see their families and stuff and then they just have to retest before coming back into the bubble and they would do it on like a rotational basis with the teams and stuff like that that was like you know two months ago they were floating around that idea i I haven't heard anything more of that i'm sure they're not going to say anything until they have a concrete decision weird so um yeah i don't know i i think that's a bit weird i think that with this release of these divisions i think they're headed towards playing games in their own own arenas the travel will just be limited plus canada makes sense too because we don't know what's going to happen i mean we know about the travel advisory and stuff's getting worse Um, so who knows how that's going to work you know travel between the u.s and canada so. Yeah, but I, I think it's definitely safe to say that we won't see any full-on bubbles here, um, which is which is good for the players. It no, makes sense. Yeah, no, I don't think you'll see a bubble system like the playoffs where it was completely locked down. I think if they if they do one, it's going to be like a rotational based where like they're going to let people leave. They just have to I, test negative before coming back in. That's all. I don't think that would work though. Um, I I also don't think the NHLPA would agree too much of that. I know it's only like a limited bubble period, but still two weeks, three weeks. That's that's a while there, and especially. You let these players go on for like a week off or whatever, uh, they're going to be exposed a lot more than if they did like a continuous type of like what the MLB did, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of stuff to it that they're having to discuss, but that was like one idea. I mean, there's numerous. That was just one of the ones that got leaked out to the public that they were discussing on how to yeah, move gotcha. forward with the season. Gotcha. So that's that. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is Alexander Holtz is still doing his thing over in the SHL. Light He's not up. scoring as many goals, which is um, which is fine. It's his assist total and his playmaking ability that he showcased the past couple games. Um, he had another assist today. I don't know what his season total is up, but I keep on seeing videos of him making nice passes and stuff, which is good because supposedly a knock on Holtz is his playmaking ability was never deemed as not good. It was always like I think people still categorize it as like average a little above average but mm. you're really seeing his visions maybe better than people thought or whatever which is a good thing um his skating looked pretty good in the videos too that is something he was rumored mm-hmm. to have to work on i think that's still true but good to see holtz doing doing well over there you know i believe also the echl announced that all the teams in their north division will not be playing this year 
Did you see that, Chris? I did not, but that's interesting how they would pull that off. Yeah, I don't think the ECHL is going to end up playing. Yeah, so the ECHL's North Division suspends play for the 2020-2021 season. I don't think we're going to have an ECHL season. I don't think we're going to have an AHL season. What I think is going to happen is they'll do like what they did with baseball and have like taxi squads Uh where they'll have those AHL players kind of like practice at a specific location and when they're needed, they'll call them up because I really don't think um, they're going to be able to pull off you, you could barely pull yeah. off a bubble for the NHL, not bubble, but you could barely pull off a smart way for the NHL guys to play. I don't think there's going to be any way they find a. I think there's two ECHL teams down here in Florida. I think there's uh, oh, sure. the Florida Everblades. Yeah. They're down like south of Tampa, and then I think Jacksonville actually just got one like within the past year or two. They're like the Polar Bears or something. Solar then, Bears. Um, yeah, Solar Bears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then out in Pensacola, it's like the Southern Professional Hockey League. It's like a tier below the ECHL. You got like the Pensacola Ice Flyers, and that division has like them. There's like a team from Huntsville. I think that's in there, or Birmingham, one of the two. So. Florida's got some hockey kind of spread out around the state. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see much of any minor league hockey this year, which is very unfortunate, but that's just the type of environment we are currently in. Um, News-wise, did I miss anything else, Chris? I don't believe so. Um, If stuff pops up, we'll talk about it, but we're going to transition over to our first real segment of this episode, and that's talking about the new reverse jerseys adidas um released they kind of really they kind of made this like a real big deal like they teased it for like two weeks straight they made everyone hate it before they got released but then they came (laughs) out and it's pretty solid i i always find it funny how worked out people get about jerseys i mean i know that's how they look and stuff but i mean you know yeah I mean, it's, people, it's cool. People get real bent out of shape about it. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't understand. It's fun. It's fun to have different jerseys and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's a little bit of a cash grab too. But it's just it's fun to see some different looks out on the ice. I mean, 99% of being good is looking good out there. Like that's yep. that's that's the rule. Is that what they taught you in the ACHA or whatever? What, yep. What hockey? ACHA that was the, lead, to the right? show, baby. There you go. Um, so we're gonna talk about what our favorite jerseys are, what our least favorite jerseys are, and we'll talk a little bit about the Devils jersey themselves. So, I guess we'll do like a top three favorite. I'm a, I really found it hard to pick like just three, yeah. you know? I feel like I there was just like a whole bunch I of decent... And the ones I did. Yeah, that was that's it. what I did. Um, the one that really stood out to me was the Los Angeles Kings jerseys. Those are yeah, sweet. Yeah, those purple monarchs. Yeah, um, Kings jerseys. Uh, I know they're real simple, but I really like the Ottawa Senators jerseys. They're like yeah. real simple, like, but I don't know. I like them. Uh, what else we got here? The Bruins jersey. Their colors are different, but I like them a lot. Hurricanes, the Whalers. The Whalers. Yeah, the Whalers is a good one. Yeah, the Avs jersey. I like them for the most part, but they got those weird things at the bottom. What are those? Like spades or something? Uh, no, I believe they're floor. Um, their floor some. It's uh, it's yeah. like the similar thing you see with the Saints. Okay. Like yeah, uh, so it's a French based kind of thing, I think. Those ones are pretty cool. The Capitals are nice. Um, it's like a throwback new type thing. Like they use kind of like the old looking logo type deal, and they made a new twist to it. So I like the Caps jerseys. People mm-hmm. hate the Penguins jerseys. It seems like, but I, I dig them. I know they're that boring cross thing, but I yeah, like the I mean, colors. 
they they are retro. I mean, yeah, when I like was like in his prime with them. That's what they were wearing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Florida Panthers jerseys, pretty simple, but I dig them. Yeah, uh, I'll let you talk about some more that you like. Yeah, so I mean, uh, the, the, I think Adidas and the uh, a lot of these NHL teams did a really good job. There was only like five jerseys I really didn't like. Most of them. I was either kind of indifferent on or I liked them, but um, I like Anaheim bringing back the mighty wing. It's a little different, but uh, I'll definitely be trying to snag that. If you've never looked up the original mighty wing Jersey, it's almost impossible to find if you're ever trying to buy one. Um, It's an interesting Jersey. It's got like uh, the mascot on there. Um, Arizona going to the purple Kachina. Very interesting. Um, I like that as an alternate. Uh, We already mentioned Carolina with the whalers in gray. Um, See, I'm I'm the rare camp that actually likes the Dallas ones. I think they're really clean, and I think when people see them on the ice, that they're gonna like them a little bit more. I think it's a really clean, like retro logo look. It's not, it doesn't have like the gold, but I just like. It. I think it's really clean. Um, Colorado, we mentioned them, the Nordiques, but with the Avs colors. Um, Kings, we already mentioned Purple Monarch. Minnesota Wild is one of my favorite for sure. Um, I like that they dug up the North Stars the color scheme. Is that what that came That's from? That's what it is. Yeah, it's the North Stars colors. Um, cause I, I like them too. Yeah, Minnesota just... fans were not happy when the North Stars moved to Dallas. <laughs> so that's why they eventually ended up with a team again. So um, Capitals, we mentioned the red with the Eagles logo. I like that. The Jets is low-key kind of good too, the gray and blue. I'm a big Jets jersey guy. I think that was – Remember a while back we had our uh, talk about like our favorite jerseys in the mm. NHL currently. Yeah, the the Wild always have sweet jerseys. I dig those color yeah, schemes. The Wild do, yeah. Um, and I'll mention the Devils too. You know, the Devils. I like the the jerseys that Devils we have. Do have really nice it's, jerseys. it's really cool. The all green with the red. I'm gonna yeah, say it sweet. now though, and I'm gonna say it again. Can we please come up with something new? Please, if you're a Devils executive and you're listening, give me an all-black jersey I'm with sure red accents. some Devils executives are, listening right now. Too, so. we, I know they are. We are the one team where an all-black alternate with red accents would actually make sense. Please, just, just make it and you will have my money. There's no discussion on this. I think the uh, – I, I said this in the chat. The Chicago Blackhawk jerseys, it looked like you could throw a Devils jersey on there and it makes sense, you know, or Devils yeah. logo on there. I, I thought for a second that maybe – that was the Devils one when I first looked at it, but they got that black and red going on. Um, all right, some jerseys we don't like. So the Buffalo Sabres jersey is very not fun. I don't like how it says Buffalo at the bottom on the ribbon. That's real weird. Calgary Flame jersey I think is the worst one they came out with. Did you see that thing? I think I did, yeah. It's like a flaming horse on the front or something. Yeah, I think it's like a throwback. So I, I know they had like a jersey with a horse on it. Um, what else do I got here? Sharks one's kind of boring, kind of yeah. weird looking. Yeah, it's like an old school uh, one. Red, Red Wings was probably the more boring one I've seen. Yeah, nice little silver band on the sleeves. Yeah, All right, like, we got it. Got it. <laughs> white and silver? Is that what we're yeah, doing here? Yeah, it's literally just a white jersey with silver bands and a Red Wings logo. <laughs> Flyers one is another pretty basic one. Yeah, the Flyers is interesting. It's, it's kind of similar to like their 2000s jerseys a little bit. The Blues one, I don't like the red on it. Oh, where'd that, the red come from? That's, uh, <laughs> I think, like, the the original version of that, where it was blue, the secondary color was red, so they just inverted it. Yeah, and then the Vegas jersey, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, I think that was one of their original alternates. It, Not really? Yeah, with the little star and the sword and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I personally, I like their gold <laughs> ones this year. Those are fire. Yeah, the they gold are. Vegas ones. 
Uh, How about you? What are some you didn't like that we So I actually about? was not a fan of Boston's. I didn't like the all yellow just because I thought it was unoriginal. I felt like they've already had all yellow alternates before. Um, most of these, I, if I didn't like them, I was kind of indifferent on. But Boston was one I didn't like. Detroit's we already mentioned. Um, Toronto's I think just looks weird. Yeah, it does look. Um, Edmonton and the Islanders. I want to thank you guys for participating by not really offering something different. <laughs> hey, I like the Oilers series though. I, I like think, those. Yeah, but the thing for me with the Oilers is it's no different than anything they already have. I think they now, maybe like switched one little thing on it and that was it. That was the same Islanders thing with the Islanders. I don't think I've seen that one yet. I'm looking at it right now. That now that's just like the same exact things they were now. Basically, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what I mean by like thank you for participating. Uh, the the kind of looks the same too. Yeah, it, it does. The, uh, the Rangers, I didn't really knock them for the Liberty jersey because I know that's popular. Um, yeah, so. no, those look sweet. Yeah, I'm one of those guys though that I like like if it's if it's not broke, you don't have to fix it type deal, you know. Yeah. So like, I don't mind some of these retro jerseys, kind of like the same like the Devils one. Mm-hmm. The Devils logo though looks like bigger than normal or should be higher up or something. You notice that when you looked at it. <laughs> Yeah, I think it does maybe look it's just a little a low now that you mention it. Yeah. yeah, it looks low or something. Maybe it's just a picture being weird, but anyway. Um, yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about the Devils jerseys, jersey now. Like Chris said, it's mostly green, and then it's got some white and some more red on there. Kind of like your classic Devils St. Paddy's Day type jersey. Um, a little different. But mm-hmm. I think they're cool. I always yeah. like that color scheme. I'm a big green guy myself. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, a lot of people do like them too. A lot of people had fun writing articles like what's the top jersey of the new jerseys they came out with and the devils are always like top five on there so people as a whole like them so mm-hmm. but anyway fun little thing to get people talking about hockey when there's not much at all going on with the sport right now you know <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah that's do any last words you want to talk about here uh, i'm looking the at jerseys? the predators one again that definitely looks like they're um, original jerseys. There's some of these teams where, like, the reverse retro is literally just their original jerseys. Like, I think before Nashville some went to the all work. yellow, some that's don't. basically what their jersey looked like. I believe I think, the Senators jersey, the retro jersey they came out with, are very similar to their older jerseys. Because I remember mm-hmm. I had, like, a be a pro in NHL, like, 19 or something, and I would always wear the yeah. Senators throwback jerseys because they're sweet, and those remind me of those jerseys. So yeah. that's why I, they're on my cool list. I definitely so, dig the ahead. Senators look. Uh, the Sharks, I think, might be tying in a little bit of the original look with a little bit of something different. Um I know, I know we talked in our there. chat about Tampa's. Tampa's, you know, everyone's like, Tampa's just looks horrible. And I'm like, well, that's basically, you know, what Tampa's looked like when they came into the league. <laughs> that, that was yeah, one thing they kind of didn't get right, you know. It was okay. It wasn't horrible. But um, Vancouver's is kind of cool with the gradient, too. The, uh, like I said, a lot of these I'm just kind of indifferent on. There's only like five or six where I legitimately do not like them at all. So... Gotcha. So, yeah, that's our little Jersey talk for the day. I hope you guys got a chance to look at them and kind of know what we're talking about. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure if you follow hockey a little bit, they've been thrown all over your Twitter and all that fun stuff. So check them out if you have it. Pretty cool stuff. We're going to move on now to the top 10 series we've been doing last week. We talked about top 10 defensemen in the metropolitan and top 10 goalies in the metropolitan. In our opinion, go check that out. If you haven't listened to that yet, this week we're talking about top 10 centers and top 10 wingers. So we'll start out with the top 10 centers. So honorable mentions, who you got? Uh, my honorable mentions are Pierre-Luc Dubois, Nick Foligno, Max Domi, 
Kevin Hayes, Anders Lee, JG Pajot, Jordan Stahl, and Vincent Trocek. So those are the guys who did not make my list, but I felt they were at least in the conversation. Yeah, so my honorable mention, I really only had one. <laughs> I didn't really think too much more outside my top ten, but Evgeny Kuznetsov was right outside my top ten just because mm-hmm. his defense is absolutely atrocious. I really didn't know how bad it was. But anyway, we'll get started now. Um, who's at your number ten and number nine? At number ten, I have Nico Heischer, and then number nine, I have Mika Zibanejad from New York. <clears throat> yeah, I have Heischer at ten as well, and then I have Brock Nelson at nine. Okay. Um, at eight, I have Pierre-Luc Dubois, and number seven, I have Mika Zibanejad. Eight, I have Kuznetsov. Seven, I have Couturier. Okay, at number six and five, who you got? I got Mr. Matthew Barzel at six, and then Sebastian Ajo at five. I got Ajo at six, and Nicholas Backstrom at five. Interesting. Um, four, I have Barzell, and three, I have Sean Couturier. Four, I have Backstrom. Three, I have Malkin. Okay, and I got Malkin at two and Mr. Crosby at one. I have Giroux at two and Crosby at one. So, um, Giroux switched over to winger in 2017, so I have him on my winger list. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, they can yeah. plug him in wherever, but he's... Uh, yeah, he's been playing a lot of winger recently. He's, he's a very strong centerman. I, I still yeah. consider him that first. I think it's yeah. more of a... No, what he What to me. Philly needed help with and what he could assist with kind of situation. Yeah. No, I think our lists are pretty similar. I had, I believe I had Dubois 8, and you had, didn't have him on your list. No, he was like I my had, first out kind of thing. Yeah, I had Brock Nelson at 9. You didn't have Nelson on your list, did you? No, I, I think I had Nelson under uh, the wingers, possibly. Let me see. He's a center slash left wing. Yeah, so that's, it's that's the thing with these guys. Some of them, like, they, they interchange them. They're not mm-hmm. necessarily just centermen, so... Um, yeah, we'll get to the wingers list, but uh, yeah, you had Kotori, or you kind of like at nine, right? You had him kind of yeah. down there. Yeah, I had, I had him three, at eight, seven, three. Um, watching him, what he did to the Devils' top line, I think it was the Hall, Paul, Mary, Heisher line in the beginning of last season. He mm-hmm. like made the three of them have the worst games in their career respectively, and completely shut that <laughs> line down. And then on top of that, he's a pretty good scorer nowadays. I had I had him in my top three. Yeah, um, Crosby, I think's one for everybody. Mal- Yep. Is always going to be up there. A lot of young talent here with Barzell, Aho, and mm-hmm. Dubois on my list. He's here, <laughs> another young guy. Yep. So um, to recap, I had Crosby one, Malkin two, Katoria three, Barzell four, Backstrom five, Aho six, Zibanejad seven, Dubois eight, Nelson nine, and Nico at ten. And I had Crosby one, Giroux two, Malkin three, Backstrom four, Aho at five, Barzil at six, Kachuri at seven, Kuznetsov at eight, Zabinajad at nine, and Nico Heischer at ten. Yep, and I had Giroux. I'll talk about him soon. He's on my winger list, not my center list, so that's why he's left off there. Uh, we'll move over to the wingers now. I don't really have honorable mentions here because there's just so many of them, you know. Yeah. Um, I started my list out. Number ten couple years ago if you heard this as a number 10 top 10 winger in the metro you'd be like what the heck brian russ is my number 10 man's oh, been okay. amazing in pittsburgh he's, he's an honorable mention <laughs> the past for me. couple years um and nine i have aldridge borkstrand is becoming one of the better young players in the nhl devil's killer Devil for killer. sure yeah <laughs> so who's your 10 and nine? uh i got tavo terrifying at 10 and travis connect me at nine Okay, uh, Konechny would probably be an honorable mention for me. He was right off that list. That dude, I, I do not like him though. <laughs> um, who you got at eight and seven? 
uh, eight and seven. I got Mr. Kyle Palmieri at eight, and then uh, Jason Zucker at seven. I've had Zucker in fantasy for multiple years. He is a very dependable fantasy player. Mr. Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh Penguin winger. No, uh-huh. is. Uh, Pavel Bushnevich is number eight for me, and I got Kyle Palmieri at seven. Um, Jake Gensel at six, and Timo Teravainen at five. We'll see how you react to my uh, my number six right here. I have uh, Mr. Tom Wilson at six, and then wow. Josh Bailey at five. I'm and a big Tom Wilson that. guy, but I haven't. I, I don't have him. I didn't really even think about him when I was making this list. Yeah. To be honest with you, uh, I mean, I put him there because there's not many players in the game who can play the way he does. The grit in the sandpaper, just to beat the daylights out of you anytime he wants but can also score and generate offense there's very few wingers who have that total package very few players in general who can do all of that so that's why i put him in there at six no. all right josh bailey is another guy i didn't even think about putting them yeah josh <laughs> bailey at five. With you. <laughs> um so i got ovi at four and drew at three. Ooh, interesting so i have gensel at four and svechnikov at three yeah so i got svechnikov at two and artemi panarin at one I got Panarin at two, Ovechkin at one. Okay. Yeah. Um, Ovi, the thing with me, he's the best goal scorer of all time, but his defensive game has really, really fallen off recently, and he's not really getting all that assist total anymore. I mean, he's still an elite, elite, elite player, best goal scorer of all time. But Mm. anyway. Yeah, I think the positives for him still outweigh the negatives. The Capitals are still a better team with him on the ice than – when he's not. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, Andrei Shevchnikov is going to be a superstar in this league. And oh, it's yes. funny how he's a bit underrated. I guess, maybe it's because he plays on the Hurricanes. I don't know. Yeah, but he needs to be talked good. about more. Very good. Um, Artemi Panarin is a very, a man. very elite hockey player. Um, Chicago Blackhawks one time traded him for Brandon Soth. Remember that? Uh-huh. Anyway. Um, yeah, so that's our I think that was a move that like, annoyed Kane or something. Yeah, it probably did. Timo Teravainen, <laughs> he was at five on my list. He was at ten or nine on your list. Yeah, Remember I when he was a Blackhawk once yep. upon a time? Man, look at these Blackhawks. Panarin, yeah. Teravainen, I'm sure and might be it on this one. But anyway, imagine if they kept those guys all together yeah. in some way. I think they were trying to capitalize on their value, basically, because they knew they couldn't pay everyone. Um and they were trying to basically sell high on these guys in case Carolina. they went and progressed. Yeah, I can't remember either. Um, yeah, that was an interesting trade. So yeah, anyway, um, so let me hear your list one more time. Um, so I have Ovechkin at one, Panarin at two, Svechnikov at three, Gensel at four, Bailey at five, Wilson at six, uh, Zucker at seven, Paul Mary at eight. Connect me nine, Terravine and ten, and then some of my honorable mentions. Uh, I do have um, Brian Russ, like I said. I'm a big TJ Oshie fan as well. I put him in there. Um, Nikita Gusev, I think, really turned it on the second half of the year, so I didn't include him in the list because of that. And then also Lafreniere, I'm not going to include him because we haven't seen him do anything at the NHL level, but I'll admit that he probably will be in this conversation by the end of his first season. Yeah, he's going to be a beast. Um, so I looked up the – actually, let me give you my list one more time before I can go talk yeah. about stuff. Temi Panarin, one. Andrei Shashnikov, two. Claude Drew, three. Ovi, four. Teravainen, five. Gensel, six. Palmieri, seven. Buchnevich, eight. Borkstrand, nine. And Russ at ten. Um, so I looked up 
Timo Teravainen and Brian Bickle were traded to the Carolina Hurricanes for a second round pick and a third round pick. I think this was a cap move with mm. I think Brian Bickle is probably making way too much money at this yeah, point. He was making so, a lot of money at that cup run. Yeah, it was kind of a cap move there, but that was your trade. And that Did happened it say back who in those picks turned into? It does not. This article is from like when the trade happened, but that's interesting. I could be. We need to get like a little guy that sits in the corner and listens to our podcast. And whenever we have a question, we could throw a question at him. He could do a little research while we're talking. But I'm curious. No, I'm gonna look this question. up real quick. I'm gonna see. All right. I'm gonna see who who was that pick. While Chris is being our fact checker, we'll slowly move on here to our last segment, and this segment is the athletic fan survey. So I'm gonna pull it up on my phone so it's easier to keep track of because this survey was ran on The Athletic, like I said, by Corey Masaic, who is a wonderful athletic writer, beat writer for the Devils. Um, He does a lot of good stuff. I believe he ran this survey twice, and this is the second time, the first time. And in his article, when he showed the results, he kind of compared it to how the results were ran the first time. So we're going to go through these questions. We'll discuss them, see what our answers are. I filled out the survey at the time. Chris, I don't think you have an athletic subscription, do you? No, I do not. And real quick before we jump into it, those picks became Archer Kaimov and Keith Petruzzelli. So yeah, I'm not I sure those guys have panned out yet, but or if they will. But <clears throat> So... Oh, yeah, there's your little fact check for you guys if you're curious what the picks turned into in that Timo Teravine Brian Pickle trade back in 2016. Um, all right, we'll jump into this right now. So, the first question, Chris, I'll ask you the questions and then I'll give you my answer afterwards since you don't have the questions in front of you. Yeah, How satisfied are you with the current state of the Devils? Happy, hopeful, content, angry, or resigned? I am. Um, I would put myself in the hopeful camp. I am with you. And the survey result had almost 70% as hopeful. Um, what was next? Content was 10% resigned. Uh, I'm guessing that just means irritated kind of. Uh, I don't it's kind of like you're giving like, up. It's, it's basically like us being Mets fans. Yeah. That, was, that was actually the second highest result, believe it or not. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a hopeful. And so is Chris. I hope yes. you guys are hopeful too. I feel like we've been hopeful for many years now, but Team hopefully in the they right turn direction. the corner on these years. So kind of like a similar question. How do you view the current situation for the Devils? Optimistic, neutral, pessimistic, or fatalistic? Um, I guess this goes from like best to worst type deal. So I'm in the optimistic train. And what if was, you answered that the way you did last time, I believe you'd be saying optimistic. What? It was optimistic. It was optimistic, neutral, pessimistic, and fatalistic. So I would say neutral. And it's nothing to do with the Devils in particular. It's just how strong the Metro is right now. And even the teams that aren't that great right now are doing a really good job rebuilding. I mean, I'm not going to ignore what the Rangers are doing across the way. They're doing a Fair decent enough. job as well. So <laughs> we'll get into the Rangers knowing, later on in the season. Yeah, it's more just how tough the Metro is, regardless of whatever team it is. It's nothing against the Devils. Gotcha. Makes sense. So, how many points do you expect the Devils to claim next season? Assuming an 82-game season, which we probably will not be getting. So, it's 100-plus potential contender, 94-99, to which is a playoff team, 85-93 to in the playoff hunt, 76-84, to about the same as last year, 75 or fewer. That would be rebuilding. So, Chris, what you thinking? I would say 85-93 to in the hunt. 
I totally agree there. I think the Devils aren't going to be a playoff team, but I feel like they'll be kind of like in the cusp type. Mm-hmm. When we did our power rankings. This is where we, uh, I think, place the Devils too in here, this type yeah. of range. So, um, yeah, that's a fun little question. The next question is, when do you think the Devils will make the playoff again? So that kind of <laughs> leads into what we were just talking about. 2021, which is this year, 2022, 2023, 24, or 25 or later. I have 2022. Yeah, I agree with 2022. I think some of the teams teams are slowly beginning to come down in the metro like pittsburgh um columbus should finally be bad <laughs> well i mean they've done a decent job this offseason surprisingly i mean they got some really good center depth uh but cool, yeah I, I think there's going to be a slow transition or not a slow transition but there's already a transition that's somewhat started and we'll see the devils kind of have a chance to step over some other teams by 2022 so so this question is when do you think the Devils will be a Stanley Cup contender again? So that means like full on playoff team and people are they're wanting like before the season starts, they have like top uh, top five odds at Stanley Cup. So 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 or later. Let's see. This season's 2021 coming up, right? That is correct. I'm going to say 2024. Because I'm yep. thinking of the development of the players on defense and on offense. Uh, I think they'll be a playoff team by 2022. Better but be. to be that dynamic, perennial, <laughs> oh, like cup yeah. contender, 2024. Yeah, I'm in the same boat there. That's what I answered on the survey as well like you said by that time the players should all be developed and if the devils are not a playoff team or like a solid playoff team by 2024 we're just going to be stuck in a constant state of mediocrity and rebuilding yeah. that'd be major issues there there's a difference of talking about a team like the islanders as a playoff team going into the season and tampa <laughs> being a cup contender there's just a difference so yeah so on a scale of one to ten how do you feel about the lindy ruff hiring as head coach i believe i answer this so like i don't want to answer it like now i kind of wanted to capture my feelings when i first heard of the hiring mm-hmm. i think i gave it like a five or a four out of five or a four or five out of ten this is have a, a 10 point scale yeah i remember when i first heard the news i was not exactly over the moon about it and that was because of who we were talking to um I mean, or who, yeah, who we were talking to as a team. Um, We were talking to, I think it was. Laviolette. Yeah, Laviolette. Bromberg was rumored as well. Yeah, but we knew he was going to be staying, that they weren't going to let him go. Um, Yeah, Gallant, that's that's who it was. There was like a lot of top tier names we were talking about. And Ruff wasn't in the conversation until literally like a couple hours before we found out essentially um so when i first heard it i was like wow out of you know everyone we were talking about um but then we found out you know laviolette wanted a a bit more money than the devils i think were willing to uh put out there that was the rumor um we don't know what happened with gallant and ever since we've hired rough i've I've warmed up to the idea of him coaching and, and you know looking back on his previous experiences and uh really just trying to get the most he can out of his team offensively yeah, so I'm looking at the results, which I find pretty interesting. Um, it kind of like peaks at the seven range, which I kind of find surprising because I feel like a lot of Devils fans weren't fans of this hire. Now, I feel like athletic subscribers are people that really, really like 
pay attention to what's going on. You know what I'm trying to say here? Like if you're going to be dishing out like 60 bucks um, uh, for the year, which I believe the sub is, you're really a big sports guy. So I feel like Mm. athletic subscribers might be more educated than maybe like a casual fan or whatever. So I'm going to trust these results and what these people are saying. Probably biased too, being Devils fans, taking these surveys. But a lot of the the main group of these people that answered the survey is around six and seven, which is kind of surprised. I'm probably around like, I think I answered four on this one, but anyway. Yeah. And Uh, athletic is very good to subscribe to. Um, I'm, I'm one of those people who considers myself uh, modestly, modestly balling on a budget, budget so I don't have a subscription now but uh, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't get one in the future yeah so the next question is on a scale 1 to 10 how do you feel about the hiring of Tom Fitzgerald's GM I put a 9 here I, it could easily be a 10 I was really happy with this move he's done really really well and he got rewarded for it so and I don't think anyone's really too much surprised can I choose like 11 or, or 15 because I've been asking for him to be hired since basically the trade deadline <laughs> Um, you can't because it's a one through ten, but I, I guess I'll let it slide. Yeah, so. I mean, I've been the, I've been very vocal since the trade deadline. I'm like, this guy needs to stay. He was masterful at the deadline, you know, getting what he could with the assets we had available, and you know, he knows the entire system better than any other general manager that you're going to bring in. He knows what we have down in Binghamton because uh, he was the GM mostly for Binghamton while Shiro was here. So uh, I I felt he did great with the assets that he received at the deadline. And then, you know, just the knowledge of what is there in the organization versus hiring someone new who's going to have to try and figure all that out, especially right before the draft. Yeah, no, he, he's done a tremendous job, so I'm glad the Devils retained him. Looking at the results, um, the average scores are on a 7.5 and, and 8, which makes sense. It really peaks at a 9 here. It was funny because so 7, 8, 9, and 10 have the highest results, and then 1 has 63 votes, which was like the fifth highest. And then the middle is uh, – I don't know. I guess – I don't know. Maybe there was a lot of Lake Coleman fans taking this. Yeah. Or some trolls from other teams. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) On a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel about the Devils 2020 draft class? I believe I gave this around a 7, which is Um, what the average is here. I don't – what do you think of that? 1 to 10. I lean towards 8. I think they did a good job. Um, Shakir Mohuka Hamadoulin. Yeah, I don't know if I said that right. Mohuka Hamadoulin. Yeah. He, he was a surprise pick, but after reading into him more and more, um, you know, I'm interested to see how it plays out. He, he could be a really solid pick. Um, did good with Holtz. I had Dawson Mercer in our mock draft, so I was happy we got him. Um, mm, big Dawson Mercer. And, and yeah. then the Devils historically tend to be a good team, you know, recent history, tend to be good at drafting in later rounds. So, um, we saw that with Dawes. I think they got him like third round, right? Third or fourth? Dawes, yeah. I believe he was a third or fourth round pick there. Yeah. And and just historically, you know, again, recent history, the Devils have been good at picking later round picks. So I, I would expect that trend to continue, hopefully. Yeah. Um, my only thing is I'm still not a big fan of that Mukahama Doolin pick. I feel like there's other defensemen I'd rather see. But I feel like they did a pretty good job drafting in the later rounds. If it was someone other than Mukahama Doolin there with the third first round pick, this would mm. probably be like an eight or a nine, definitely nine maybe for me. But I'm going to stick it around the seven. So, And that was the average as well. So on a scale of one to ten, how do you feel about the current state of the Devil's Prospect Pool? I give this one a nine. I in my sole opinion, I feel like they had the second best prospect pool in the NHL behind the LA Kings. So I give this one a nine or you could 
easily argue with tenure. What do you got? I, I agree with you at nine. Um, I mean, before the draft happened, we already had a top prospect system. Uh, a lot of good assets brought in at the trade deadline between Foot and Quokinen, um, and also some draft picks. Uh, obviously, bringing in Nick Markley, Kevin Ball, um, bringing in those guys. You know, I think we did a really good job bringing more good development assets throughout last season, even though it was a it was a rough one. Yeah, I'm really thrilled with the uh, prospect system they have. They haven't had a prospect system like this, I think, in forever. So, yeah. you know, it, so it, it's this very is a good problem to, to have. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel about the talent level on the Devils' projected 2021 roster? I give this run about a five or six i believe um like talent i the way i interpret this question is i mean like nhl ready talent Mm -hmm. type deal so i feel like their defensive core is pretty good um i think their depth forward is where they're gonna have the issues this year so that's why i gave it a five or six yeah i'd give it a seven and i'm gonna be optimistic about it i mean uh, i've warmed up to the Corey crawford signing um i think the decor is gonna be better this year uh with ty smith stepping in and bringing in murphy uh if he can stay healthy and everything um i think merkley will will continue to perform the way he did towards the end of the last season um and andreas Janssen, even though you know he benefited from having a very strong supporting cast in you know toronto uh very big offensive depth there i think he'll he'll bring that skill over here and he'll be able to perform and everything so yeah so we'll move on to the next question here and i wanted to mention too i didn't mention this before we got some college hockey tonight when we'll be uh probably right now or maybe starts either now or an hour uh Mm -hmm. uh, big 10 hockey we got penn state and minnesota i believe and arnie tal yeah you know he's playing tonight so that's a devil prospect there cole brady's been playing as well um with arizona state arizona state's not all that great but he's been doing well in the pipes i think he made like 44 Mm. saves on 47 shots and a three nothing loss a couple nights ago they are a newer program reportedly playing well which is good to see yeah, I think this is like Arizona's second, maybe third season in NCAA. For the longest time, they dominated at like D1 ACHA, and they yeah. finally were able to make the move to NCAA, I think like two seasons ago. Yeah, so that's good to see um, Mr. Brady doing well. Devils desperately need that decent goaltending prospects. Um, as we talked about, their goaltending prospect deaths kind of a little bland, but we'll see how that goes. Um, next question here. How do you feel about Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment stewardship of the franchise? Um, I'm used to teams with not – I mean, I don't really mind ownership. It doesn't bug me at all. I, yeah. I, I think content is what I put here. It's happy, hopeful, content, angry, resigned. Uh, content, I mean, either way, I'm, I really don't mind it, you know? <laughs> yeah. They did so, good things to the rock. Yeah. I mean, in terms of uh, – <laughs> bad ownership i don't think anyone understands that more than you and i james we had to go through the will pond days uh with the mets so we've seen what a not so great owner can do um you could also see it with the islanders for a long time they struggled and once they got some stable ownership now they're finally starting to turn stuff around for that organization in general um i i don't mind harris and and blitzer uh i think they're they're good owners you know they're willing to put in the money and and what it takes to win um they own multiple sports franchises which you know isn't a problem to me um it, it, as long as you have an owner who 
owns the team and wants them to win rather than just owning them as like another piece of their portfolio or another piece of revenue basically you're usually set up pretty well um especially if the owner you know they're, they're going to do their homework and hire the best people they can to make the best decisions possible for the team and then kind of stay out of it a little bit yeah and hockey's a different world than baseball and that stuff the owners are kind of like behind the scenes yeah. you know so i what I, is it? They, I don't think they've done anything. They own the Sixers, and then they have like a partial a ownership in the Steelers or something, like a yeah. small minority ownership. Um, I'm not sure what they're doing with the Steelers. I think they might have just bought into it, but they're part-time owners yeah. uh, or part owners of Swansea City over, and I think they're in the Champions League or the. I don't know what they're not. They're not in the EPL anymore. I think it's Swansea City, wherever they're playing nowadays. But um, yeah, so that's that. Which offseason edition did you like the most? And this is out of Corey Crawford, Andres Johnson, Dmitry Kulkov, and Ryan Murray. My vote here went to Ryan Murray. Um, as much as uh, I probably wouldn't have. S- um, let me word this as, as much as you probably would be surprised by this, James. I think Corey Crawford for me. Um, <laughs> Funny how those things work, huh? Yeah, I mean, for those of you who don't know, um, when it came to the Corey Crawford signing, uh, James was over the moon, ecstatic about it, and I was kind of even keel because I always just viewed Crawford as like you know a, a good goalie, but not like a lead or anything like that. I was just like you know he's good enough to to win you some games and stuff like that, um, but just. Uh, one of the biggest problems for the Devils the past couple of seasons has been goaltending. Like, the, it, both it not being good, and then when it is good and it makes the future look promising, it's when the season's already down the drain and it doesn't matter at that point anymore. So, I don't think Blackwood will have an issue. I think he's... He, I don't think we'll have any issues with him going forward. I think he's going to continue developing into an all-star and one of the best goaltenders in the division in the league. And... In my opinion, Corey Crawford is going to be a solid, not just backup that when you put him in, he's going to get you wins, but he's going to push Blackwood to be better. He's going to compete, you know. He's going to want, you know, the net just as much as Blackwood will. So, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, Andres Johansson won this vote um, by a very slim margin. Corey Crawford was second, and uh, Murray was third. So, yeah, I'm just traumatized uh, from like the goalie performance the past two or three years. That's why I'm I don't picking Crawford. <laughs> so one through ten, how do you rate the Devils all season? I would give it a eight or seven or eight around there. I believe I voted for eight. But. Yeah, I, I'd give it an eight as well. I think there's cool. one more move that they could make and that Fitzgerald may make. I think he uh, is waiting for training camp to come in to see if certain guys in the system can step up and take the next step and take one of those positions. But if they can't, then he's going to make a move. So Yeah, supposedly Tampa Bay is getting closer to fixing their issue, and I forget who I saw it by, but – the Devils are rumored to be one of those teams that may be lurking in the woods there to pounce on one of those players. So if they bring yeah. in a, another like borderline top six forward there, that would be amazing. But we shall see what happens. Or there. one of their defensemen. I mean, they got a they got what Chernak and Sergachev RFAs. Yeah. They got to figure out. Yeah, so. I don't think we're going to see the Devils acquire any more defensemen though. I think they're pretty set with their. Uh, we were talking about That's this true, before. Yeah. Their six being uh, Kulkov is their sixth guy and Karakas their seventh D man. So we'll see though. Um, let's. 
let's see what we got next. So this question kind of asked like how many games, how should the split be between Blackwood and Crawford? Um, basically an even split slightly in favor of Blackwood, slightly in favor of Crawford, a little more in favor of Blackwood, a little more kind of like that. I went for a 45 for Blackwood, 37 for Crawford kind of split. There was also a 50 for Blackwood, 32 for Crawford, but I went 45, 37. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Blackwood should get more games, but not like a crazy ton more. Um, I, and this stems from the Devils we see being in the hunt for the playoffs, but not necessarily a, a playoff team. Um, I think it's important we got to get Blackwood up to a level where he gets used to playing a lot of games as a starter. Um, but when you have a capable backup, you know, you got to use them. And we're seeing in the league, a lot of these teams that make it to the dance, you know, they got two good goaltenders. It's not just one that they're counting on. Yes. Um, you know, Vasilevsky is just Vazzy, but um, a lot of teams in the playoffs that went far had, had good goaltenders, both as starters and backups. And I mean, Dallas made it without Ben Bishop because they were able to rely on Hudobin. So, yeah. So the Devils have two solid top six forwards that are entering their last year of the contracts. Those being Kyle Paul and Nikita Gusev. These questions kind of ask what the devil should do with them if they don't sign a contract. Should they trade them before the season starts, trade them at the deadline if the team is not in a playoff spot, trade them by the deadline regardless of position, or keep them and try to sign them after the season? Regarding Paul Mary, I honestly, both these guys, um, Paul Mary specifically, the Devils, I don't want them to trade Palmer before the season starts. I want him to be on the roster at least yeah. until the deadline. If the Devils aren't in a spot where they think they can make a run, definitely trade him. Um, if they Because it's a dicey proposition trying to sign guys after the season ends. Yeah. Um, Gusev's a guy, I mean, he's tough because he's only been on the team two years. I feel like it's the same thing. you got to move him at the deadline if there's no contractor in place. Yeah. I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, as, as painful it can be, your, your timeline for an extension is by the trade deadline. You should be able to at least have a, a heart-to-heart with the player or agent to just understand, like, look, don't pull us around here. If you're not interested in signing, tell us. Or, you know, it, it, depending on how negotiations go, that's how it's going to get interpreted. Um, you, got, you can't let guys with very good talent, which Palmieri and Gusev have. I think Gusev really turned it on towards the end of the year, and I think he's going to light it up this season, of course, on an expiring deal. Um, tends to be how it works. Hopefully the same with Palmieri. But um, I'm, I'm confident the Devils can get both of them re-signed. I'm more confident in that than I was in them re-signing Taylor Hall, um, just because Taylor Hall was just throwing out way too many mixed signals. Um uh, you know, which is why we were all on edge with him. Um, I'm very confident they can get them both re-signed, but I do agree that if they're not going to agree to something by the deadline, you have to move them. Um, just ask Islanders fans about Tavares. That's all you got to do. <laughs> yes. So that was an interesting question there. Uh, next one is what position group forwards, defenseman, goaltending or deaths listed on here as well is your biggest concern for the Devils 2020, 2021. <laughs> I went with forwards here. Um, I, agree. I, I feel like the team every year it's, I know their defense have been bad and not great. Um, goaltending is probably the safest bet on the roster this year. Defense, they improved drastically. And I believe it's got to be forwards this year. And believe it or not, so 74% of Devils fans voted for defensemen on this. 
Yeah, um, I think that's them not understanding what we have. Yeah, and I feel like that it's so it was so forced upon by media and everyone that this team's problem is defenseman when in reality, the Devils don't score. They yeah. haven't scored for a long time. Yeah. So yeah. I think the forwards is what I'm more concerned about, specifically forward depth. So Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I think of all the moves and talent that were brought in, uh, all my concerns with defensemen are alleviated right now. My defense with their my concerns with the goaltending and my trust and faith in them has kind of been restored to this point with the moves. It's really just the forwards, not just, you know, do we need to bring any more people in, but the people we have brought in, can they step up? Can Gusev continue his production like he had at the end of last year? Can Andreas Janssen produce like he did in Toronto or even more when he's going to be more Better of a main more. guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's going to be more of a main guy with us than he was in Toronto. And that's just credit to Toronto's, you know, offensive scoring depth before this off season. Um, so that's, that's my greatest concern is just the guys we've brought in for the forward group. Can they perform to the level we're expecting them to? And, you know, we've mentioned the bottom four already as well. Can guys step up who are prospects and take those spots or do we need to bring other people in? Yeah. So the last question we're going to talk about here, and I, I didn't really give a firm answer for this one. I might've just skipped it is out of the three metropolitan teams, the devils, Islanders and Rangers, which one's going to win a Stanley cup first. This one's hard to answer. Yeah. I mean, I kind of answered like, who's the best right now. And I picked the Islanders. And even then I'm kind of hesitant. <laughs> I don't see when one of these teams are going to win the Stanley cup next. That's just kind of a fun question. Mm. Um, I guess my vote right now would be the Islanders who set up best for the future. Definitely not the Islanders. I would have the Devils and Rangers up there. I think the Devils yeah. just barely are higher than the Rangers. But I mean, who do you got, Chris? You kind of in agreement with me? Yeah, here? I mean, this I question's kind of tough. Long term, I think it's Devils and Rangers battling it out, and the the battle for the Hudson is going to get even more entertaining over the next couple of seasons. Um, that rivalry is going to be back full strength. Um, but the Islanders are definitely the best team set up for success, not just with the talent that they have, but um, just the Barry Trotz and the system, they have a good system where they can they move guys in system. and out and be successful. They're not dependent on talent. They're dependent on a system. The New and England Patriot way. Yes. You, you win with a system more than talent all the time. Like Must you, you can, the- I mean, just just look at the regular seasons and stuff. I mean, we saw Tampa dominate last season and then they got ruined by a good defensive system by Columbus that just exposed them. You know, systems win you uh, the big games and the important games. It's it's talent is important, but it needs to be able to work within the system. Um, And I I forget. uh, I saw an article like a couple months ago that really talked about how fun of an arms race this is going to turn into between the Rangers, the Devils and the and the Islanders, you know, of young superstars in the tri-state area in the New York market. You're going to have Nico and Jack Hughes. You're going to have now Lafreniere and uh, Capocacco. And you got Matthew Barzell out on the island. There's a lot of these young guys who have the potential to turn into elite level players uh, in, in the same Good young goalies, market. too. Yep. Besides good young Islanders, goalies. I guess. Yeah, Blackwood, Shesterkin, and Sorokin. Oh, I lied. He, yeah, he, I lied. Yeah. Yeah. Very good young goalies. Two or three are – two – actually, yeah, two of the three are Russian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so oh, yeah. It, it's it's very interesting going ahead for all three teams. It is. That's a fun little question 
there. Good discussion. Um, that's all the questions I'm going to take from the survey. There's a few more on there, but um, we'll just end it there. Very good survey. Fun to look at the answers. Some results, how you think, some you don't. Once again, Corey Masaic, athletic beat writer for the Devils. Terrific work. My favorite Devils beat writer. Um, but yeah, nothing else for this episode. Chris, you got anything else to say? Uh, let's go Devils, as yes, always. Um, next week, I don't think we got anything um, planned out yet, but I'll throw something together. Everyone stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you then. Peace. Peace.